Hi, everyone. It's Michelle from Studio City Now. And today my guest is Dr. Ann Donnelly. Thank you so much for joining me. And do you want to be called Ann or Dr. Donnelly or? Oh, please call me Ann, Michelle. And thank you for having me. I'm really, really, really delighted to be here. And it's so good talking to you. Now, I've got this, I got an email from um, Ruthie, and it's got all these letters after your name. (laughs) (laughs) One or two, Michelle, one or two. Okay, MB, MRCGP, DRCOG, DFP, DYT, (laughs) DePalmed, L-F-H-O-M. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I've been on the planet for quite a while, so um, I, I can maybe account for that, for the fact that, you know, that's years and years and years of study, Michelle, but yeah, part of them are related to medicine, uh, part of them are related to the fact that I'm a yoga teacher and that I'm also uh, a fellow um, having studied homeopathy. So yes, I, I have a, a, few, a few different uh, strings to the bow, as it were. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but we were talking earlier, you know, you said you were in homeopathy, because we mm-hmm. spoke about the colloidal silver, yes. but you, um, you with with National Health for a while. Well, I, I'm actually still working with the National Health Service because I work in palliative medicine in both a hospice, hospital and a hospice setting, um, working with life-limiting illness. And uh, yes, I also um, have a healing practice as well. So I, I have a foot in both worlds, as it were, Michelle. That's incredible. I'm so glad Western medicine is starting to see how uh, homeopathic medicine and Eastern medicine can, you know, can complement each other. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I think it's nice to be able to offer choice and the public are much more informed now about health issues and alternatives and ways of, of dealing with health. Ultimately, responsibility for our health does lie with ourselves and our world needs to wake a little bit up to that effect, the fact that we need a cleaner environment, the way we need to look after each other better, uh, the way we need to take responsibility for the way that we think, the way that we behave, how we work with our relationships. There are so many contributors to health and certainly uh, holistically and uh, both traditionally have, they have their part to play. They each have their part to play. Okay. And how did you get into like, you know, holistic and metaphysical studies? That's really interesting question, actually, because I was practicing as a GP. And at that time, I found that I didn't have all the answers. You know, I had this wonderful plaque, I had my prescription pad. And although I I always had this feeling that I was perhaps putting like an elastoplast on top of the problem, that there were deeper issues that needed to be addressed. Mm -hmm. And so when I first looked into that, I thought, well, look, I'm, I'm going to work with my own stamina first and I went exploring and I joined a yoga class that was where where it all started and I pestered my yoga teacher so much with so many questions it says oh for goodness sakes and go study become a yoga teacher and you'll find all your answers so I did and I noticed that this wonderful relationship between breath work 
and mm-hmm. fitness levels and how our breath work can ease the mind and quieten the mind chatter. And of course, at that stage, I was touching on things like meditation. Mm-hmm. And so I became an avid explorer. I I went down the route of acupuncture, homeopathy, neurolinguistic programming, emotional freedom therapy, various different types of therapy. But it wasn't until I set foot in a class, a meditation class in Belfast in 2006, that I stepped into a school of metaphysics, which was the modern mystery school. Mm-hmm. And I started my real studies. The way I would describe it, Michelle, was that I really felt as if I had been in a paddling pool of knowledge and then the whole ocean opened up in front of me. And I, first of all, you know, received healings. I studied in classes. And eventually I was so impressed with the level of, of what this brings in terms of knowledge of self, of exploring oneself. And then, of course, in service to others, we really get to know ourselves. And so it was through that that I started to teach as well. And now I'm an international teacher with the Modern Mystery School. Oh, my gosh. Mm. And that's in Belfast? I have to go to Belfast. (laughs) You have to come to Belfast. Well, actually, we are worldwide. We're in 60 countries around the world. And we're in America as well. Throughout America, throughout Canada, Brazil. Uh, We're throughout Europe. Um, based in London is our headquarters in Europe and we're also in Africa and yes yes we can always find someone close to you wherever you are in the world Southern California well I know the very person that I will be referring you to Michelle if you would (laughs) like to learn more (laughs) I'll call you after That sounds wonderful, Michelle. That sounds wonderful. So tell me about Once Upon a Tinder. Oh, gosh. I know. Isn't that fascinating? Mm-hmm. I, I went through a breakup of my marriage uh, some years ago now. And that is a, it's a pivotal moment in anyone's life. Um, it really is. And, and at that point... There was a a regrouping of my relationship with myself and it was maybe it must must have been a good five years down the line that I felt that I would like to maybe dip my toe into the dating world again. And I have two really good friends and they're described as Bert and Ernie in the book. (laughs) And... uh, they're a lovely couple, a great couple, really dear friends of mine. And they said, look, Anne, they're, you know, things have changed since the last time you dated. Now, you've got to remember it was 20 years previously that I had, you know, gone on the dating, uh, that, that side of life. And now, obviously, I was much older. I was in my late 40s. And um, maybe technologically, I was savvy enough, but I certainly had no idea about dating apps and this type of thing. So they sat me down and we set up a profile. Well, they set up the profile. (laughs) And I opened up two profiles, two separate dating apps, and I started to swipe left and right, depending on whether I wanted to meet the person or not. Now, this was such an amazing experience for me that I thought, oh my God, as I progressed into, first of all, meeting you know, my first date, through the experiences of meeting various different gentlemen and the, the learning that I had from that, I thought, this, this 
there's a book in this, there's a story in this, because when I would come back and I would talk to Bert and Ernie about it, like we were, we, at times we were in stitches laughing, at times it was an occasional tear. It was just such a huge exploration of, of life. And for me, I was, I was getting to know myself even more through these various different encounters. And I thought, one day I will write a book in this. And I started to put down little chapter headings, depending on the encounter that I had. And it turns out that when COVID struck, I wasn't able to travel just as much. And one weekend, I started to write. And I wrote a book of 22 chapters. It's, it's, a, it's a brief book. It's a couple of hours read, but it has so much fun in there and so many key moments and so many learnings. And it's for, although it was written in my age group now, which is, you know, in my early 50s, and for women of a certain age, it's for both men and women. You're going to get so many insights into that. And it's for every age group that ever decides to maybe do a dating app because it it gives so many tips on how to navigate certain situations. And so there are 22 chapters and you'll have one chapter is, a, is describing a date or describing a relationship. And the next chapter describes the learning from that and what to take away. Wow. Yeah, I've been on dating apps and to me, they're scary. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear you, Michelle. I really hear you. <laughs> well, tell me, what is the what is the scariest thing that, or maybe maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> well, first of all, I never give my home address ever. Yes, I agree. If somebody wants to meet me, our pre-date is always Starbucks. Wonderful. And I do drive there even though it's block away. Yeah. Because I don't want anyone to know how close I am. I, and I when I leave, I don't go home. I'll go, I live west of Starbucks. I'll go south into the hills or I'll go east into Hollywood. Yes. Just in case somebody's following me, they have no clue where I am. Wow. I think that's a great idea. Well done, you. Mm. Oh, I wanted to be a spy when I was little. So. <laughs> <laughs> Where you, maybe Pink Panther comes to mind. <laughs> well, I'm thinking um, Emma Peel. And... <laughs> yes, why not, Michelle? <laughs> Which age is us? That's from the original Avengers. Oh, wonderful. I Was love it the that. Avengers? Yeah. Avengers or maybe... Um... Mm. Yeah, it was a... Emma Peel. That genre... Mm. Or Honey West, who was a detective, or yeah, yes. wow, yeah. Let's see, it was Diana Rigg and Patrick McGowan. Oh, I anyway, think so. yeah, <laughs> I can, I can look. It's <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it, it was certainly a certain genre, and very. Actually, I have to say, even taking us back then, you know, there there were certain ways of relating. Mm -hmm. to each other you know the male and female characters and in, in, in those programs and, and and 
you know, it, it, life has changed, you know, a lot since then, although the fundamentals are still the same. And that's what you're going to see throughout the book, actually, which is interesting. And where can we find the book? Well, it's actually on Amazon. <laughs> it's, yes, believe it or not, it's an Amazon publication. And you can get it on Kindle, really, for, um, you know, for a minimal fee, really. And if, obviously, uh, it's, it is in paperback as well. Um, at this minute in time, it's doing very well, Michelle, actually. It's a, it's a, it's a bestseller in different genres, uh, such as um, psychology, sociology, women's sexuality, etiquette. Uh, so it's done, done very well in terms of its interest and the area of bringing value to, to dating again. Yeah, what, but the one thing I've noticed, you know, because like you and I are the generation, the gentleman came to the door. If we were younger, of course, we lived with our parents. Mm-hmm. Always had to meet the parents. Always. Yes. yes. If um, a man did not come to my door, I would not go out with him. Mm. Um, had to show, had to be polite. Mm. Um, and, you know, now with the day of cell phones and everything else, gosh, I, I just found like the politeness or the etiquette just doesn't exist, which really bothers me, you know, not only in the dating world, but in the everyday world. Mm. It's, an, it's an interesting point that you bring up, Michelle. Uh, this is, it's interesting that this was brought into the etiquette genre because this calls us back to that sense of being able to set clear boundaries. Mm-hmm. Because the very fundamental relationship that we, the most fundamental relationship that we have in life is that that we have with ourselves. And so that took time. It took me five years to really want to reconnect with someone else again, I had to find myself as an individual first again, Mm -hmm. not uh, myself as I was connected to my social circles that involved, you know, my marriage, etc. That takes time to unravel itself and to, to find yourself as an individual again, because for the most part, you don't want to bring the old wounds or the Mm -hmm. old parts of ourselves that play out over and over again into a new relationship where possible. And so you really need to get to know yourself first. Yeah. And then it's so much easier when you're on a dating app and someone tries to cross those boundaries (laughs) that you already have in your own mind. Because if they do, you can say what your boundaries are. And if they still insist on crossing them, then it's a no. Well, one of the experiences I had recently, speaking of dating, I reconnected with, it was an ex-boyfriend, things, you know, and they ended very friendly. Hmm. And, um, you know, he was like, well, let's get together. And I said, I would love to see you. I will meet you at Starbucks. And he goes, no, I want to come to your house. No. Oh, no. good for you, Michelle. Yeah. Well, did he know where your house was no. from previous? No, he didn't. Okay. okay. Oh, no, I had since moved many times. But um, was very insistent that he wanted to come to my house. 
And this was also during lockdown. I said, over familiar. Mm. And I said, no, nobody comes to my house. And so I've been tested for COVID and, you know, I'm very, I'm negative. And I said, and I have two German Shepherd police dogs. No one comes to my house. (laughs) I love it, Michelle. Well done, you. (laughs) I mean, he didn't need to know I had two Labrador retriever mixes that... (laughs) Would let you in, fix your breakfast, <laughs> say, what is it you want to steal? <laughs> love it, Michelle. Love it. And I think all he really wanted was to um, get laid. Yeah. Wasn't going to happen. No, no. And, and you're right, because whatever length of time had lapsed between both of you, you're both different people. Mm-hmm. And this is something I address in the book. It depends on what you're looking for. I'll be honest, in the beginning, when I was starting to redate again, I wasn't looking for a committed relationship at that point. I wanted to rediscover myself through the realm of relationships. And actually, it does talk about that, you know, in Once Upon a Tinder. It talks about the figuring out what you want first so that you're not going in very blinkered or blindly because if you're someone who wants you know the opportunity to rediscover yourself be it you know sexually or be it just through having conversations with someone be it through maybe just even flirting with someone or whatever it is that you want from that then it's it's important to be clear to begin with and I actually give a list of questions if you want something more serious Mm-hmm. I give a list of questions that you can ask so that you know where the other person is at. Never assume that the other person is looking for the same thing that you are. Right. And it's yeah. always important to establish that first so that you're not disappointed or maybe, you know, spending your time chasing a dream that isn't really, really on the cards at all. Yeah. Well, I was raised in the generation because I'm a few years older, a very traditional Italian on my mother's side family. Mm, wonderful. My father was Caribbean, but you, wow. know, you didn't even have to finish school. You got married, had kids, kept a clean house, mm-hmm. cooked. I'm like, cooked? Why are there restaurants? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Clean? We clean America. Call them once a week. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I, I didn't get married till I was 48. Wonderful, Michelle. Then I got divorced five years later. <laughs> ah. It was a learning experience. Yes. My entire family was horrified. It's like, oh my gosh, how could you do that? Hmm? It was easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was important that you did. Yeah. You know, uh, you don't settle. And they Mm. just assumed, well, you're married now. And, you know, the husband's right. And it's like, no, Mm. no, no, no. That isn't how it works. (laughs) No, not in, not in your world, Michelle. And it's really important to understand that what our world is. Mm -hmm. And like you, I had, um, you know, I really didn't want to get reinvolved with anyone. Hmm. And I'm really happy just doing what I do. And I don't need, you know, a spouse or a significant other. Mm. 
I have dogs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And beautiful dogs. Yeah. I love, love retrievers. Mm. Oh, you would have loved my golden. Oh. Quirkiest guy ever. Oh. And I think you'd love my Pitbull Black Lab mix. Oh my God. Sounds like a treasure. Oh, she is. <laughs> Total so, treasure. Anyway. <laughs> We could talk about dogs forever. <laughs> we could, oh no, I don't, yeah, if you bring me down that route, that's going to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, what made you want to become a doctor? That's an interesting question as well, Michelle, because I didn't know anything about the medical world at all when I was in school, apart from one significant moment. When I was six years old, mm-hmm. I had appendicitis. Oh, It took them a long time to reach the diagnosis. I was actually very ill. And I spent quite a while in hospital at that time. And as soon as I walked out the doors, I thought I'm never going to walk into an environment like that again. (laughs) On a six-year-old's mind, I just wanted to run for the hills. So, (laughs) and it wasn't until, and it was interesting because when I was in school, I loved science. Mm-hmm. I loved physics and it's interesting that, you know, metaphysics is, is, is part of, of what I do now is, is a huge part of my life. But I, towards the latter years of school, I, I was a singer in a choir and we went to a care of the elderly home and to the hospital coming up to Christmas. Mm-hmm. And when I walked into the hospital environment again, I remember I hadn't been in that what for a long long time like 10 over 10 years right and as soon as I walked through those doors I I I got this huge jump in my heart I thought oh my god I have to work in this environment and in the beginning I didn't really think medicine I thought maybe uh working with physiotherapy I was fascinated by proportion of the body and gait and the way we moved I I was an artist as well I I did a lot of drawing (laughs) my dad had these golf books and I would draw you know the the golfing body you know in its different positions um just you know through the swing and and when I I thought physiotherapy was for me and then suddenly one of my teachers said have you considered medicine and I thought gosh and when I looked into it I thought yes this is what I want to do and I'll be honest, for the first three years of studying medicine, it was in those days you didn't really meet patients face to face until much later in your training. Oh. And no, indeed. And actually, for the first three years, it was like rote learning encyclopedia of knowledge. It was just a huge amount of head in the books all the time. And I felt a little bit, probably a little bit depressed during those years because it really took me out of my creative side and into this very logical minded piece but Mm -hmm. in my third year we were brought to see uh into one of the cancer centers and we were brought to see patients and I remember meeting my first patient and I remember him as if it was yesterday and he was a gentleman and looking back now I I know he probably was in the last months of his life Mm -hmm. and as soon as I met him and heard his story, my heart just blew open. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew in that moment that was why I was in medicine. I was there, you know, for a purpose. There was a purpose to this. So, yeah, yeah. 
and haven't looked back. Wow. And um, you said it was this cancer patient. Mm. Um, have you worked with cancer pain patients? Well, obviously, palliative and holistic palliative and um that's end of life Mm. well my initial training was in general practice and there were a number of cases that I worked with during that time that really you know pulled out the best in me I felt or required the most from me and that would have been patients who I would have walked the journey with them and their families through the last months of their lives Mm -hmm. and there was something about that that really touched me deeply and I suppose there, there was this thing about the meaning of life the that part that is is always searching for meaning especially when one comes faced with the possibility that life is ending. I wanted to make whatever time was left of the best quality possible. And it was through the encountering of this phenomenon of palliative medicine, which is really medicine dealing with life-limiting illness. Now, that could be for years or Mm -hmm. it could be for months or it could be weeks or days but whatever the there's you know that there's a limit related to the illness according Mm -hmm. to what you know according to what our knowledge of the the disease suggests Mm -hmm. and from that perspective we work in teams here in the UK and Ireland we come together as teams to support families to support individuals in having great quality life and that means symptomatically emotionally spiritually mentally um, all of the aspects of life socially financially helping them to to experience quality life wow um yeah one thing i've noticed because you know as i mentioned earlier i did live in derbyshire for two years Mm. maybe i didn't mention it no, you did. Um, no, you did. I yes. did. I noticed um, medicine here. Well, medicine in the United States is mm-hmm. very different than medicine in the UK. Uh, medicine in the US is, unfortunately, it's money based. Mm-hmm. Medicine in the UK is patient based. Mm. That would be our ethos here. Yes. So, you know, I've always said if I become chronically ill, I'm going back to England. Mm. I hear that, Michelle. I, I, I can appreciate that. Um, yeah. I, I had a very interesting experience, actually. I lived in Australia uh-huh. from 2001 to 2002. And when I came back to the UK, that, that was my first experience working in palliative medicine, our local he was actually the medical director of the hospice. His wife was very unwell and he asked me to do some work there. And at that stage, I hadn't had any palliative medicine experience. But the six months that I spent there turned out to be two and a half years. I just loved the work so much. But during that time, our chief executive in the local hospital asked me to 
to also do some work there for them, I, she asked me to become a consultant in holistic care for the hospital. Would you believe that? Wow. And so for three months, I audited a consultant opinion on holistic therapies within a hospital setting. And I, there was a remarkable response, first of all, because the consultants knew me very well. I, I had already worked in the hospital for a long time and they knew what I was about and what my general ethos was about. And they were very, very positive. The one thing they did, they did say from the, the audit was that as long as a holistic approach wouldn't encroach on the money that they had towards you know, giving patients the best of their care. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're right. Money can have a limiting factor on the types of care that, that we, that we offer, that we give. Now we're, we're very blessed in the, in the United Kingdom and in Ireland to a degree that we can offer good medical care free at the point of, you know, meeting someone. And because that is the case, then it's not as it, it, we have the opportunity to be patient centered as best mm -hmm. as possible. But there are it's not a bottomless pit. We do have things that help us to choose the best care. And that includes high end research and evidence uh, will always dictate the the areas that we spend money in in healthcare. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you don't have that as much in the holistic setting. You might not have the larger scale trials that you would have, say, in medicine as, as proof that this works. Mm -hmm. And that, that is where patient choice comes in then and where it's important that we acknowledge that as part of it. And sometimes then, you know, paying for that side of things can come into it. But I, I, I really, really do appreciate what you're saying and the differences when it comes to trying to do our best for patients within money restrictions, as well as understanding that we're working according to the best evidence for, for whatever the condition is. Yeah. Now, going back over some of this, what exactly is a life activation practitioner? Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> this is something that I received in my studies with the Modern Mystery School. Ooh. I, yeah, I, I actually, in the study of metaphysics, we acknowledge that we are more than the physical body. Mm -hmm. So up until a certain degree in my training or a certain time in my training, my medical training, I, you know, realized that there's more to healing than meets the eye. Mm -hmm. And so up until that point, I'd been trained to look at the physical body from the cellular level to each organ, to how that relates to each other, to the entirety of the body. And to some extent, on how our mind influences this. But when we think of things from a metaphysical point of view, there does come this concept of energy. And although I had delved into that from a yogic point of view and from a homeopathic point of view and from an acupuncture point of view at that point, meta study of metaphysics takes that even further and describes the systems that are connected to our physical body. 
And these systems, when they are balanced, Michelle, it can help us to feel so much more relaxed in the physical body. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we, we, we are constantly receiving information that sometimes we're aware of and sometimes we're not aware of or conscious of. And when we begin to, to balance those energy systems, it helps us to receive clearer messages, energetically speaking. But also, it acknowledges the spiritual aspect of ourselves as well, the deeper meaning in life coming Mm -hmm. from hermetic principles, principles that help us to rise to the highest potential within ourselves. Now, that potential is (laughs) godlike. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when we think about that, when we try to conceive of that, it's where we acknowledge the intuitive and abilities within ourselves, the gut feeling that leads us to do things that we think, goodness, that was coincidence or that, that, that comes outside the realm of where well, I have to think this through really clearly. You're, you're actually going with your gut, you're going with your heart, you're going with those aspects of yourself that seem to be led by how you deeply feel inside about something. Mm-hmm. And that is incredibly important. It's incredibly important to develop that. And the life activation lighten, lights all of that up. It gives you that reconnection to your sense of wonderment. And when we, we used to call it a DNA activation because it does work with the DNA. The second half of the life activation pours light into that structure, the DNA structure that each of us holds. Now, our physical DNA, we can see, um, we, can, we know it's a helical structure. We also have a lot of Um, you know, what scientists have sometimes described as junk DNA, they don't recognize it as being important in terms of its mapping. But we have spiritual DNA as well that has Mm -hmm. our divine blueprint in it. So we have our physical blueprint that gives us our unique individuality physically. Mm -hmm. But we have this unique individuality spiritually as well and that has our life purpose in there now if you can imagine that one day you woke up and you realized oh my gosh this is my life purpose and and you really wanted to go for it the next step in that process is initiation and an initiation this used to be part of shamanic traditions right away across the planet a longer time ago when people really would come in come of age or they would reach a threshold in their life like marriage or they would reach a threshold in their life where they wanted to become a priest or a priestess and in these moments in time initiation would be part of of that process 
Now, within the mystery school, these methods of initiation have been held very, very sacredly to this point in time now, because we are all wakening up to a new way of being. We're more connected mm -hmm. now than ever through the internet, through social media. We're more aware of what's going on with our brothers and sisters around the world. Mm -hmm. We are waking up to the idea that we, we, it, it's not healthy for us to live in isolation, that we need each other, we need unity. And although we look different, although we speak different languages, although we think differently, that's because we're looking at life through unique pairs of eyes, from our unique perspective. And the more, however, united we can be, then it means that we are able to see globally what needs to be done for each of us to live in harmony, in unity and in peace. And this starts with peace inside the individual with mm -hmm. the life activation and with this process of initiation, because initiation is the start of something. It's the start of an alchemical process that helps us to get back to the essence of our being. And that essence, you know, the, the initiatory process comes with two days of training where you learn tools to bring out the best of yourself in every situation that you come across in life. So it's like these tools help us to manage our own energy, manage the way in which we respond to life rather than react to situations that present themselves so that we can come at life in a way that is, yes, spontaneous, coming from that heart-centeredness and also coming at, at it from a space that is taking into consideration the wholeness of the energy of a situation. And there is no better place than this, than in the idiom of relationships. Mm -hmm. Because in relationships, it's not just you, it's someone else as well. Yeah. And when we, when we take that into consideration, we have our energy, what it is that I know about myself, how I'm getting to learn about myself, what it is that I desire. And then we're getting to know that other person as well and what their likes and dislikes are and what their desires are. And where do we meet in the middle? Where do we negotiate? It's not, and it's really interesting, it's not about compromise. We're not compromising our values. We're negotiating from a place of empowerment and respect for each other's perspectives and the way that we see things. So that is what mm -hmm. the mystery school teachings teach us. They, they actually help us to remember, although it's called a school, the ethos is about a remembering. Oh. It's about remembering who and what we truly are at the center of our essence and our being. And every healing, Every class that you study, every program that you go to, it's all about self-knowledge, about mm -hmm. rediscovering yourself at your core and at your essence, about what it is that you're here to do and the way, the style in which you want to do it. 
And yeah. what 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 has fascinated me coming from Ireland to travel all over the world is that I've seen so many unique expressions of individuality. And yet when we come together in that alchemy of seeking to know ourselves better, there's this synergistic effect of unity that happens within that, that helps miracles to happen, where complete strangers, complete individuals, people from so much diversity come together in unity to create something very special. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. I was just going to say that's incredible. (laughs) Mm. And you know what's interesting, as you were talking when you started, Mm. this scent, it was um, almost a flowery scent, just started wafting through my, I'm in my studio, just started wafting through the studio, which really wow amazing it is unfortunately i have to start wrapping up oh (laughs) so if people wanted to contact you how would they do that (laughs) oh michelle well i would be delighted to hear from anyone who would like a zoom call or to connect um, to find out more about either my book or about the mystery school and, and how you can really get to know yourself better mm-hmm. and hence take this into your everyday life and your relationships. So please email me mm-hmm. at dr for doctor, D-R-A-N-N Donnelly, D-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y at mm-hmm. gmail.com. Great. And the book is on Amazon and it's called Once Upon a Tinder, T-I-N-D-R. That's correct. Well, thank you so, so much. Thank you, Michelle. It has been an absolute pleasure connecting with you. We could talk forever. Oh, Michelle, <laughs> I know, I know. I, I really hope one day we get the opportunity to meet. I would love that so much. Well, eventually I'm going to go back to England to visit friends and family. So it may happen. Well, I look forward to that day, Michelle. Me too. And you have a very wonderful day today. You too, Michelle. Have a wonderful time. You too. Okay, bye.